Welcome to the Home Medic. You're listening to the segment on Household Hazmat. Welcome to the Home Medic, where we help you keep your money in your wallet and your family out of the hospital. Heidi Hansen. Hey, good to good to be with you, and I'm excited to talk about hazmat, whatever that is. Hazmat. That's actually having nasty hazardous materials in your home. Oh, so has is short for hazard, and mat is short for material. Right, and the environmental remediation business, hazardous materials just get shortened to hazmat. Okay. And so as homeowners, we all like to think that we all live in the land of safety, and the reality can be very much different. Yeah, I'm uh, looking at this list that you have there, and I've probably got at least 50 to 60% of those things going on. Yeah, and you probably have more than that that you're not aware of. But, you know, I guess the first thing, if the listener or you, Heidi, have, and you've certainly been around with some of the podcasts, and you know that there are so many health and safety issues related to the home, everything from asbestos and meth and mold to trees that fall over to cockroaches to spiders, you know, the list goes on and on, electrical and plumbing, they can all get us. And that's the reason why we're having these podcasts. Right. So you can get those things taken care of and then sleep at night. Yeah. To some extent, a lot of us believe that our home, despite all those issues, that we like to think that our home is safe. Right. And here we're going to talk about actually items that legally qualify as hazardous materials that we all have in our home. Huh. Okay. So have you be aware of those and know what to do. A hazardous material is defined by EPA as anything that is corrosive, toxic, ignitable, or reactive. Mm. So if something is in one of those four categories, that's considered to be hazmat or hazardous materials. So ignitable. Almost anything could be ignitable with with enough. Yeah, and there is a legal definition of what ignitable means, you know, whether it's above or 100 degrees, that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you see, for example, those trucks on the road where they have that placard and you see the signs, you know, one of them is a flame, et cetera, and one of them... Triangle, that yellow triangle with the right. little black and border. Th- those are actually indicating, you know, what level of corrosive and toxic and ignitable the contents may be. Okay. So that same stuff, you know, we look at the truck and you think, oh, that's scary. And then we come home and we look at what might be the same stuff and we think, oh, that's not scary. So if it's under my kitchen counter or under my sink... I'm laughing because I've got the Clorox, I've probably got the batteries, I've got probably some fluorescence, all of that right in my kitchen. Right. Along with a gas source. Let's start down that road, (laughs) should we? So under the corrosive category, you might have the Clorox, for example. I definitely have the Clorox. I really, I'm not, I don't like using a lot of it, but it works for some things like nothing else does. Yeah, the Clorox, and then you'll have uh, maybe an outdoor-grade Clorox that's a little heavier. I know that in the meth remediation operation that I do and have done, I got away from the Clorox because of its heavy corrosiveness. Mm. Like, for example, when we were treating anything that was metal, including a freestanding fireplace, especially those, or even a stove, Right. You, know, you can destroy those with the amount of Clorox that has to happen in order to get it decontaminated. Really? So the Clorox is certainly one of those chemicals. From my own personal experience dealing with meth homes, I know that if you put enough Clorox in a confined space, 
maybe this room, for example, if, if we were to wash this entire floor mm-hmm. with Clorox, you might have a potentially deadly situation. Yes, I've, I've actually tried to do something like that before. I actually tried to clean my garage floor with Clorox water. Uh-huh. Yeah, we had put a dog in there and the dog had, you know, oh. done some stuff on the, the floor and I didn't like it and wanted to get rid of it. And so I used the Clorox and oh my goodness, it yeah. took a week to get those fumes out, it was powerful. And like you said, I had to, Yeah. after I tried to work on it, I was having some trouble breathing. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there was uh, damage to your lungs. There was probably damage to your eyes. I bet your eyes burned. Oh, they did, for sure. Yeah. So you've got to be very careful with that Clorox. That is a hazmat, hazardous material mm-hmm. in your home. And I, I have more stories about that. We don't want to go down that road because then people will know how psycho I truly am. It sure does get rid of stinky odors, though. That's why I love Clorox. Yes, it does. (laughs) Then you go to the toxic materials. Now, toxic is another word for poisonous. And uh, under that category, and again, the reason why we're talking about these is because these are hazmat materials that are in the house. And, you know, we've got to have those on our radar, knowing that they could damage somebody at any time. So the first uh, that you have will be the antifreeze. Hopefully that's being stored out in the garage. Then you've got the batteries. Those, obviously, you know, they have their own set of risks. You could have a child that swallows them, and, of course, that's an asphyxiation risk. That's not what makes it hazmat. Oh, You've seen where, uh, for example, a bad battery will ruin maybe a flashlight or something. Right. I've seen that corrosive stuff that can leak out of it. Right. And what happens uh, there is, you know, for example, if you've got a battery like that that is within reach of a child, there are any number of chemicals that can severely affect a child's health. You mentioned, Heidi, that uh, you had some fluorescent bulbs in your house. And honestly, this is something that I found out in the research is that fluorescent bulbs contain mercury. Yeah, no, I did know. I had heard that. And and also, if you've ever tried to dispose of a fluorescent bulb, when you try to get rid of them, they really explode. I mean, oh, yeah, they, they do. I, I usually have to take mine outside. I put them in the outside trash can, cover them up with something really heavy, like a heavy-duty sack left over from the water softener or something like that. And then with like safety glasses on, try to maybe come in from the side and pound the bulbs. Because yeah. they do it. They explode. And that mercury can get all over you. Yeah. And that is uh, one of the crazy and stupid things that I've done in my previous life, too. I was disposing of these fluorescent bulbs. And I thought, hey, I got a javelin. <laughs> <laughs> And you just went for it? So I would throw these in the general vicinity of the dumpster, and sometimes they went in. That's kind of cool. (laughs) Proves once again my level of male stupidity. But uh, when you do that, yeah, those have mercury, and if you miss the dumpster, that mercury is going to be out there in the environment. Yeah, I usually try to... I ha- you you can't just break them in the trash can. You have to literally cover them all up with something and... Yeah, so the best way to, to, to deal with yeah, those is you me. can Give actually take those to a place like Home Depot or Lowe's. Oh, can you? And they will accept them back. Oh, okay. And then That's they will know. dispose of them properly. And you don't have to worry about trying to Yeah, and then you do don't have that. the mercury all over the place. Mercury, obviously, is a very nasty little metal that yeah, is not good for us. Poisonous, toxic, right. deadly, whatever you want to call it. Then we have the gas and oil that is in our garage. 
Hopefully it's in the garage. Yeah, so it's nice to have a little bit of gas on hand for the, at least the lawnmower, right? Right. So you've got to have that. And again, you just got to be aware that if you're going to be storing that stuff, and we all need to store it, that it needs to be stored safely and properly, et cetera. So do you think the metal cans work a lot better than the plastic? I'm thinking that the plastic is probably as good as the metal. Depends. I mean, if we're going to be putting the five-gallon can maybe on a four-wheeler, mm. it's got to be metal. Okay. Less likely to pop open and right. accidentally split. Yeah. And, you know, few things suck more than being uh, stuck on the top of the mountain and going to fill your gas tank again and finding out that you can't. So, so if there were, just imagine the scenario of there being some heat near the gas can. I'm imagining metal, even though it would heat up faster, it would be a little bit more protective. It wouldn't melt so easily as a plastic one would. That is true. And I'm thinking the heat scenario, yeah, like let's imagine that maybe it's a warm day. You've got fumes that are coming off of that gas can, whether it be metal or whatever. And maybe we've got a flame source. You know, maybe somebody's using a who knows what sort of a tool. Right. A skill saw or whatever, where you could have one of the myriad bad things happen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to me, it becomes more a, an item of just being aware that if you're storing gas in the garage, you need to just be aware that that's a potential hazard and to take reasonable precautions. You don't want to store that, for example, next to maybe the furnace that might be in the garage. Right, right. Makes sense. So any anytime you've got heat, you've got a risk of either melting or heating up the can or whatever. Right. Now, there are some other household hazmat-type chemicals that we're all used to. You mentioned Clorox. We've also got the yard care chemicals. You know, you got the pesticides and the weed killer and the fertilizers. And obviously, those are intended to kill, you know, either plants or animals or something. And if little three-year-old Johnny goes out there and says... Oh, little, and he starts, you know, shoving his mouth full, then we have a problem. So those are hazardous not only from a standpoint of being toxic to intake into the body, but aren't they also flammable? Aren't fertilizers also flammable a little bit? You know, I don't have, I don't have knowledge one way or the other no? in that category. No? Okay, okay. I'm not going to say no. I just no thought you knew I'm... everything, so. <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of them are organic-based, but, yeah, I, I don't have an answer to that one. Maybe we'll put that on the, on the web page after All the right. Break. Sounds good. Then you've got the items that are ignitable. And, you know, gasoline, again, would be in that category as well in addition to being toxic. And then the reactive, you know, I actually have in my garage, I've got some hydrogen peroxide. Oh, so that's something that is flammable or ignitable? Uh, yeah, that is reactive. Now, what is the difference between ignitable and reactive? So ignitable will burn. Reactive will cause a chemical reaction. Okay. And well, how was, would that occur, though, if it's just in its bottle minding its own business? Well, let's say that maybe somebody is rummaging on the shelf and they push the peroxide off and it falls on the ground and maybe it happens to fall next to some fertilizer. Okay. I have been told, although I am not a bomb expert, that <laughs> if, if you mix peroxide with fertilizer, mm. you've made a bomb. Oh, really? So again, you know, it's awareness. and Ooh, just... We hope the terrorists aren't listening, right? <laughs> <laughs> I am on some sort of federal watch list because of the peroxide that I buy. Oh, okay. Yeah, you bought guess, so much, they're watching you to make sure you're not misusing yeah, it. Yeah, when or... you buy it in the concentrations that I buy it in, you get your name added to a list. I see. 
the so, list. <laughs> you know, <laughs> stuff that we think is completely safe and non-harmful. You know, and to me, peroxide is right. Hydrogen peroxide is right on the top of that list. Right. You'd think it's okay, but you know, if you go mixing it improperly, you know, maybe you don't know what you're doing. Maybe it was a spill. A maybe problem. it was whatever. Yeah, it could be a problem. So you just want to keep the chemicals minimal. I mean, obviously, there's some obvious things to do. For example, if you've got gas that is 10 years old and you would never consider putting it in your gas tank, right? you should get rid of it. Now, get rid of it can mean different things too. It could it mean pouring it on old weeds if you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't care about the environmental impact. <laughs> yeah, and you probably don't want to pour it into your uh, rain gutter system. Nice soil. <laughs> so the, most cities will have a household hazmat disposal area where you can take all of these kinds of things. And you know what I haven't mentioned yet is paint solvents, and they are yeah, also, you didn't mention aerosol, paint cans, and things like that. Yeah, they are also ignitable. So these are all household hazmat type items that need to be stored carefully or eliminated from the house. Mm, and okay, you haven't mentioned another thing too, and I know that they do have disposal places for this, but old drugs and medicine and things like that, they have places to dispose. Would that be under this category or is that, since mm, it doesn't have to do with home you know, improvement, we, would it not be an we issue? We don't have a podcast that is at least planned as of this moment for yeah, what to do with Xanax that you don't use mm. or you know, hydrocodone or whatever. My understanding is that those can be just dumped into the toilet, but they can be taken back to places like the pharmacies where those guys will dispose of it properly. So they don't fall into the, the category of hazmat then? Yeah, no, those materials, they are not corrosive. They may be toxic. They're not ignitable and they're not reactive. Okay. So unless they actually fall in the category and the legal definition of what toxic means they would not be considered to be household hazmat, which mm. doesn't mean they're not dangerous. They're just not under this category. Okay, okay. Just I'm just verifying to make sure we cover all the bases. And, and that's why we keep <laughs> And you Heidi can slap around. me after the podcast is over. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Should we make you master of your hazmat mansion, Heidi? Yeah, I would say make it, make it hazard-free. But, you know, I don't think I'm ready to give up my fertilizer, my batteries, my bleach, or even my gas and oil. So it's more about managing this stuff properly than it is and storing it properly than it is about completely giving it up, correct? That would be a fair statement. Let's put your, your mansion in the mouth. All right. That sounds wonderful. You're going to have a propane tank up there, probably. Oh, yes, exactly. That's hazmat. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah, that stuff on the ground would be a hazardous spill that would need to be reportable. So what if it stays in the propane so tank? So as long as it stays in the propane <laughs> tank and goes good? into your house and is used properly, you're great. But let's say that you, for whatever reason, in addition to your propane tank, you wanted to maybe store a few hundred gallons of gasoline okay. in your garage or right. maybe in your basement. Yeah. Let's put it in your basement. Basement. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, We're really... Now, the next time that your house is on fire, all that gasoline in the garage and the basement suddenly turns your house into a bomb while it's burning. Hmm. So, you know, again, it's a matter to me of... It's not reasonable to panic and, re and try to remove all of the household hazmat items. You know, you wouldn't have any spray cans. You wouldn't have pretty much anything. You know, just be aware and not be placing too many chemicals next to each other. So hopefully when that all blows up, I'm off in my Maldives hut. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You've got so many mansions by now, you can afford to let the... Yeah, I'll just, I'll just move to my other mansion, The right? one in the forest can just blow up. 
All right. More information on the website, homemedicworld.com. And as always, Heidi. Oh, be yourself. Everybody, everybody else, else is taken. Is taken. Hi, this is Julia McKay with your Natural Solutions Tip for the Day. Today we're going to share a very special oil. It's called the doTERRA Console Oil. And this is an amazing, amazing solution. If you're having feelings of sadness or you need comfort or hope. It counteracts negative emotions of grief, sadness, and hopelessness. And you know, these oils are really, really amazing. You put a couple of drops on the bottom of your feet, and it really, really does work. If you would like to know more about Console, please contact us at naturalsolutions at homemedicworld.com.